Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. There are thousands of adult children around the country who find themselves in the role of caregiving for their parents or other family members. Priya Soni is one of these adult children. Her father, who died in 2015, lived with an illness for 12 years, and Priya served as a caregiver for him during that time. Six years later, Priya is once again in a caregiving role, this time for her mother. As she moved through all that comes with caregiving, she found herself wondering, where are the others? Where are the other adult children caring for their parents and family members? This need for community and connection led her to start The Caregiving Effect, an organization that invites other caregivers to share their stories and to become part of a network of mentors. Pri and I talked about what she learned about care from her parents and her extended family. We explore how her father continued to find ways to care for her, even as she took on more and more responsibility in caring for him. Priya also shares what she's learned about loss, grief, and hope throughout all of these experiences. Priya, thank you for taking time to talk with me today for Grief Out Loud. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your parents. How did they care for you growing up? I believe my parents were two of the most caring people, and that is because I think it comes a lot from how they grew up uh, with care and love from their parents as well. They both uh, came from India. My father came from the northern part of India, Punjab, uh, in sort of an urban uh, city. And my mom came from what is now known as Mumbai, but was known as Bombay, uh, from more of a cosmopolitan city, and they wouldn't have really met here or met in India and they met here and got married and they took that love that they learned uh, in their lifetime from their families and they they brought it here and created one here and created a family here and my parents when it came to loving my sister and me it was really through their storytelling it was through um, values and morals in their storytelling it was reminding us where we came from, where they came from, the work that it took to, to come here and how much they appreciated that and really wanted to help us develop what was going to be important to us and and what legacies that they were given and what legacies that they wanted to remind us. And uh, always just letting us know that they cared about us and express that. And I have this one memory of my father, coming home one day, I had almost missed the bus at middle school. And I was very nervous about that it was the first week and him just sitting down with me at the bed and saying, you know, you don't need to worry, we're always going to be there, you're never going to be left alone. Uh, fast forward to many years later, when he was ill, and me saying the same to him, sitting at his bedside and saying, you don't have to worry, we're here. You're never alone. 
And so that full circle experience. There's quite the legacy of, of caring and caregiving and presence, it sounds like, in your family, too. Yes, absolutely. I know your, your dad dealt with his illness for 12 years, and you were a caregiver for him at that time. And the question might be like, how did you care for him? But the question I want to ask is, how did your dad continue to care for you throughout the course of his illness? Yeah, with his illness, there was an arc. And so there in the beginning, it was still my dad in the ways that I knew growing up. So I was still talking to him on the phone about taxes and finances and, and just advice that I would go to him for and that I'd gone to him for many years. And as he uh, became older and the illness took over a bit more uh, and he wasn't able to always express himself with his voice because he had speech aphasia in his last several years. Writing became the ways that we showed care to each other and the ways that he cared for me. Uh, specifically, we would write each other emails. Technology was such an amazing thing in terms of, I was in, on the East Coast and he was on the West Coast. And I was doing a master's degree in disability studies because I wanted to understand a, a sliver, at least, of what he was dealing with and understand sort of the fundamentals of, of an experience with several disabil disabilities um, and illness and aging. And I would just write him what I was learning and what I was thinking about, what it was making me think about our experience um, as a family. And I would send him papers and he would just read them and send me his thoughts. And that was just interesting way of communicating with us because it used to be just hopping on the phone and talking or, or being in person and, and chatting. Um, and that was, I think, a way for both my sister and me to be able to develop even a deeper relationship with him and, and ask him some questions that were really pressing on our minds, even questions that may feel a bit taboo, like what, are you scared of dying? Like, what are your thoughts on that? And his expressiveness about it and his realness about it and the care in how he wrote to us, we felt it. I still look at those emails and I still feel the deep sense of love and care that he took to still teach us still be that storyteller, even in the midst of illness. It seems as you're talking that as someone is dealing with an illness and as a caregiver for that person with the illness, there's this ongoing process of loss along the way and adaptation along the way. New loss, new adaptation, new loss, new adaptation. And just wondering what were some of those losses along the way for you in the course of your dad's illness? Mm -hmm. I think it's this interesting experience when a parent is ill. I felt like I had to reintroduce myself to my father as he was moving through this course of illness for 12 years. And it was, there was this chapter of my life with my father as who I knew him as, what I would relate to him as. And then as he became ill, it was a bit different. And so it was both of us introducing ourselves and there was this loss of, to each other. And there was this, uh, I think, loss of self in some ways, sort of like um, a shedding of a skin. <laughs> I was still a professional, but how was I pro a professional in this world? How am I a daughter in this experience? Because for me, I made a very intentional decision to always be 
my parents' daughter in this experience and that I would share that I'm their daughter. And in any sort of like healthcare experience, I would say I'm a caregiver because that's just sort of the term um, that's that's often used, but I'm also their daughter. So this was this became an extension of the daughtership role. I think there's also this loss of certainty with my father's illness, it was a mystery illness. He had a neurological condition that doctors were not really ever to really pinpoint or diagnose because every test came back negative, normal, or inconclusive. So there wasn't a lot of certainty in knowing what corner we were going to turn even on a daily basis. Uh, And it was really about just finding a level of comfort of living in the present and living in the moment. And and grappling with the fact that the certainty involved that you did know about the experience was sort of this facing of mortality. You know at some point that's where the story will end or or begin in some ways, depending upon what you believe. And then I think this loss of belonging when it's apparent. Sometimes it's your first male or, or female relationship in your life. And it sort of destabilizes the situation. It, it changes sort of the familial structures um, when when somebody is ill. It becomes sometimes even about the illness. Um, and I found myself grappling with, so where, where's the sense of belonging um, in the experience? And I think that there was a real sort of arc in that experience for me as well. Um, and then always coming back to saying, I'm still their daughter. I'm still going to talk to dad like dad. So still going to talk to mom like mom, even as her health is declining now. So that sense of belonging is so intertwined with what role do I play in this relationship? And so those are some losses that like that you as a caregiver, as a daughter were navigating. I'm wondering what it was like to to witness or to support your dad through the, the ongoing losses he faced as somebody who was living with the illness. It was uh, challenging at times. It was uh, really a learning experience. There was a learning curve with it. Uh, Sometimes there were moments where I just wanted my dad to be my dad and just to to be this man who I just sort of looked at as somebody who would be able to just be okay. But as he progressed within his own illness, so much for us opened up. And it was, again, that daughter sitting at his bedside, letting him know that it was going to be okay, allowing spaces for him to really express the way that he wanted to express himself, becoming creative in the experience too, when he wasn't able to use his voice to express himself. I uh, put together this, like this cardboard keyboard and would just ask him questions and just, just ask him, you know, what is it that he needed? What was bothering him? How could I help him? And a lot of times, it was just us sitting together in quiet, in silence, just being with each other in the experience. There can be this misconception out there that if you've been supporting someone through an illness for 12 years, that when their life does end, when they die, you're ready. You're like, I got it. I did all my grieving already. It's like no big deal now. And I, I know that's not true, but I was just wondering one, like, what was your expectation for yourself as, as your dad's life was coming to an end? And what's the reality of grief been like for you? I'm not sure I had an expectation of, of what it would be like when it came to an end with my father. And I think that it was because 
we were living in some level of just not knowing what the trajectory of the illness was. I wanted it to be an experience that was that felt peaceful for him. I wanted it to be an experience that felt peaceful for us. So I would always think about the things that would be able to create those those moments of that and try to support my mom who was living with him and going through the experience um, primarily and and tried to create those moments and those times with them that would bring about that. And the grief was always there. And it started um, as I just started to believe that this was something that was a, a part of our family's journey, um, the losses uh, that we went through in just different ways. I think there are moments of inspiration too that allow grief to sort of take a seat just right next to us so we could have those moments. And then after he passed, it felt very surreal. I don't think that it took me a little while to believe that this was actually uh, happening. And it happened in the way that I'd always hoped it to in, in a peaceful way. And I just remember afterwards, just sort of sitting in my mom's closet. And I have no idea why I think I just sort of needed to be around his things. And looking at all of his, you know, suits and and sweaters and shoes and hats and, and things like that. And and thinking, this man lived a life. What do I want to do with my life? I think my drive for my life was going to shift and I could feel that. I want it to become as meaningful as possible for myself. Almost sounds like a combination of inspiration and responsibility. Yeah, I think that there were that that is what I felt throughout the experience caring for my for my father, just a a level of responsibility um, that sometimes felt very overwhelming because these experiences can feel very like life and death all the time. If you do this, oh gosh, how is that going to affect, you know, so many different pieces. But then we found like these moments of, of inspiration um, and bringing community to the house. And in his last few years, having caregivers that um, really could identify with his own culture um, and just wonderful, wonderful people. And, uh, and I think that was sort of the inspiring piece, being able to build community through this experience, then ultimately being able to build a purpose from it and creating the caregiving effect um, and helping other caregivers. So I want to talk more about that, the caregiving effect, the work that you do. But I also wanted to go back to something you had said earlier of you're now in a role of also caring for your mother and wondering what it's been like to move into the caregiving role again, if it's in a way brought back or invited you to revisit what it was like to be a caregiver for your dad and and what might feel the same or different in this point in your, in the process. Yep. It did bring back the experience somewhat of what I had with my father. What I moved through with my father was different and it was slow moving. It felt 12 years, it feels like you, you witness the losses, but it, it feels at somewhat of a slower pace and it felt like a part of my life um, for, for a long time. And my mom was there as, and my sister of course was there too, um, to help throughout the process. So I had one parent that could also sort of just be that in, in moments where my dad was just having one of those hard days. And my dad lived at home 
we went through the care process while he was at home. And I think culture played uh, quite a big role in that process of, of how we just sort of moved through the experience. With my mom, it has felt, even though we saw, saw some signs of, of some declines with her, it has felt somewhat rapid. What, what she's moving through felt is feeling very different. Um, and she's, we're also sort of moving through the healthcare system differently. She um, is, I care, I was a caregiver for her full time for six months before she moved into a, another place that's giving her wonderful care right now because she does need more care. It felt like when I was moving through the experience with my mom, like this small, smaller, like health pandemic of our own in our own world and moving through caregiving and this experience caring for her now in a larger global pandemic has been an experience as well. So I went from seeing her every day, 24 seven to not being able to see her in person at all. And technology played a role again, FaceTime played a role again in being able to build those connections. Yeah, that there's caregiving, actual physical caregiving in the day-to-day, and there's still caregiving even if you're not physically present with the person or if you're prevented from being physically present with them because of the pandemic and, mm-hmm. and the health guidelines. Yeah. I want to go back to the caregiving effect. Your business, right? It's a business mm-hmm. that yes. you <laughs> provide a, a service for other uh, adults who are caregiving for parents. And so just you know, talk a little bit about what you provide and maybe what you're learning along the way. Mm-hmm. So the caregiving effect was born, I believe, years before I even came up with the, the thought or the idea. I was driving to see my mom who just got knee replacement surgery, and then I would drive back to see my father who was ill, and he was well into his illness at that time. And I was wondering, I remember as I was driving home one day, just wondering, where are the other people like me? <laughs> and what are they going through? And um, who can I talk to right now in this moment? Like, who are who are my lifelines in this moment? And where are the stories? Years later, I remember about four years later, I thought about the caregiving effect because I remember talking to several people who were caring, whether it was a brother or sister, husband or wife or parent, and we were having these small siloed conversations quietly in a corner somewhere talking. And I just wondered, why weren't we talking about this more? Because the more I start to talk to people, they start to refer me to other people. And I start to look at the statistics and there are millions and millions of caregivers out there caring for a family member. And yet it didn't feel like it was something that was permeating within like our fabric of our culture. It felt like a hidden workforce um, that wasn't getting recognized and acknowledged um, for, for their contribution. And I also felt like the stories were so meaningful and the depth of them just needed to be heard. And so when I started the caregiving effect, it was really to get stories of caregivers out into the world and then a soft launch was just sharing those stories on Instagram and then it was well okay this is great for the purpose of what what is what could be a bigger purpose from that experience and it was how can I help people find this experience as being one that they can give back so creating more mentors building a movement of mentors from this experience and then I became a certified caregiving consultant and now I coach caregivers who are in the throes of of the care experience and I help those who have been caregivers 
actually create their own sort of entities themselves that they want to share out with others, their own services. So in this past year, I'm wondering, what have you been hearing from your community, your clients about caregiving during the pandemic? Well, that it's exponentially made things much more challenging. And the level of what they were feeling, um, the depth of it feels much more. So even if something was to happen and they would have to take their family member to the hospital, it was thinking twice of, well, what does that mean? If I take them to the hospital, am I exposing them to something that could create a situation that doesn't feel so great, make it worse? So I think that that was like one of the things that they were moving through. Also, just sort of the access to others to be able to help them. If I if I bring a caregiver from a let's say an agency into my home, that felt like something that could be um, a difficult a difficult call. So because we didn't always know a lot of the information as we were finding out information as time was going on and people still needed the help. And so now you have a situation where you're caring for a family member potentially at home and it feels very high stakes. And then you have a pan and like, and it feels like a smaller pandemic within your own uh, home. And then you have a larger pandemic that feels very life and, and death. And how do you sort of manage through and navigate through all of those emotions and those feelings and those concerns. Um, and then family not being able to see family members not having, you know, family members being able to maybe even fly over and be able to help. And so um, I think the support system and the isolation felt greater. So you mentioned that the caregiving effect really grew out of this question you had of like, where are the other people who are going through what I'm going through? And now that the community has been created, what's it been like for you to find the people that are going through what you're going through and to to talk with them and to support them? You know, it's, it's interesting in, th- in this experience. Um, one of the questions you or that I have asked myself is, what does home mean to me? What the concept of home? And one piece of that for me is community. And this experience has allowed me to build a community of people that have different experiences given their differing um, setups of life and life experiences, but have this commonality of compassion and understanding. And uh, you can sit down with somebody and people just get it. (laughs) They've been there. And we are each other's teachers. um, And we're always going to be the learner as well. But it's another place that I would call home. What's your sense of the role that both family expectations and cultural expectations play in the decisions that get made around caregiving? Yeah, every family, I think, has their own level of norms, whether we realize it or not, everybody has their own way of thinking and acting and feeling and judging. And usually the values and traditions are reflective of the culture that we grew up in. And so I think like culture is like this interesting backdrop because it's the experience of sort of bringing a group of people together through tradition, sometimes through religion, spirituality, whatever it might be. But it's also something that can uh, feel like 
and feel like you're the, a threat of individuality at times. And I think when you bring caregiving into that, that can that can affect it. Um, sort of like this pull of wanting to be who you are, but feeling also the pull of like your own culture and maybe what an expectation might be in terms of caring for a family member. I think caregiving exposes things uh, in, in a bigger light. Um, and so it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, for, for me, what I witnessed with culture and what I remember about care was through meeting family members in India and sort of feeling how they cared for me and that experience. And it never felt like it was like this other role of, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. It was innate. It was something that people were just born with and it was part of like their traditions and, and the culture and um, the joy it was, it was a joy to to sort of say, hey, uh, and it, it's also sort of a symbolization of um, showing love when you say, have you eaten? Did you eat? Would you like to rest? Here's, the, you know, whatever you can do is like this exchange of, of care. And that's how I learned about caring. And that's how I believe that culture can really, really help in, in these situations that can feel very stressful. It can be a backdrop to, to bond and to bind an experience that can really also be met with a lot of hardship. And, and in your work with clients, community members, families, different cultural backgrounds and expectations, what does it look like to try to build or find or resource culturally relevant caregiving supports and opportunities? Yeah, that's actually something that I've been thinking about a lot more and trying to work in understanding more. And when it comes to trying to find the resources that are helpful for um, one who really operates with culture being at the forefront of, of how they're going to make choices. I usually try to help people move towards like faith-based organizations or spaces. Before COVID, it was um, what, what are the opportunities you can create within your communities to be able to come together and um, to talk about some of the issues that, that people might be dealing with because you're not probably the only one. Now it's, uh, I've been doing some like research and trying to find out organizations who, who have been doing some reports like the AARP and um, the National Alliance for Caregiving who came out with a report last year, 2020, and, and highlighted different groups and what their experiences are with caregiving. But I think there's a lot of work to be done to be able to understand how culture plays a role with caregiving, um, how we're understanding how the ways in which we grew up and the ways in which we make choices, how that actually should play a role when we're caring for somebody and, and just how we're even thinking about policy. What are some of your hopes and dreams for the caregiving effect moving forward? I actually want to delve a bit more into policy work um, and and really delve more into how culture impacts somebody's experience and what are the resources um, that we have and how are they being accessed and are they being accessed? So are we creating resources and um, those from other cultures are not willing to access it or they're not able to access it and um, being able to share more of my story and maybe the experiences that I've gone through the other idea I have is that I've been doing this for a little while now. And so being able to write more, um, being able to share my thoughts more of what I've learned, maybe even tapping into other caregivers and hearing more about their experiences and compiling that and putting that in a book. 
I was also going to ask you, like, in what ways do you carry your father with you in this work? And it's interesting that you just said, I want to do more writing, since that is such a way that you and your dad connected. You know, I think about him in almost every choice I make when it comes to caring about somebody, caring about myself, when it comes to change and how he managed his ability to to change in in just very challenging circumstances. And I keep reminders of him around me all the time. He used to say, I'm a sun worshiper. And one of the things that I plan on doing is getting that saying framed and putting it next to the windows uh, in my office, just to be as a reminder that he's always there, reminding me that the sun will come out. (laughs) So he loved the sun, but he lived in the Pacific Northwest. Well, we grew up on the East Coast, and then he moved to the Pacific Northwest later. But yeah, he he loved the sun and uh, great memories of uh, him just being out in the sun during the summertime or when he used to visit India and just sort of sitting outside and and allowing for that um, to just the the rays of the sun just to hit um, just to hit him and just relax. And he used to do it every day when we were growing up, just sit at the dining table and um, wait for the sun to come out, read his paper and have some fruit. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That was his spot. (laughs) And Priya, what's currently helping you? What's currently helping me is actually asking that question of myself every day what's going to help you today? What's going to support you today? And usually the answer is I do some level of, of calm. Oh, so it is meditation. I try to involve that as my morning routine every morning. Um, it's thinking about the um, lessons and the mantras that my parents have left me. I have another saying that says, all is well, do not be afraid, all is well. My mom is what my mom used to say. So keeping the things that I've learned from my parents front and center having a community of people to talk to has been really helpful, especially during this pandemic, being of service to others who may need it and asking for help. Well, I so appreciate the work that you're doing and helping others figure out how to ask for help, where to ask for help and, you know, the support that you're offering just so, like you said, millions of family members who are at or were in the role of unpaid caregiver. Is that like the hidden workforce in a sense? And, for people who are listening who want to connect with you or learn more about your work, where's the best place for them to go? Sure. Uh, they can go to uh, priasoni.net, which is my website, and there's a place to just send me an email through that, or they can go and just type in the caregiving effect at gmail.com, or they can go on Instagram or Facebook and look up the caregiving effect. Great. Well, and listeners, I'll put all that in the show notes so that you can just click the link to find it. Well, Priya, again, thank you so much for reaching out to me to be part of Grief Out Loud, for taking time to talk with me and just for so generously sharing, you know, your personal experiences and what you've learned and and how you're helping others. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. And listeners out there, thank you so much for being part of our community, for making the show mean what it does. If you um, have anyone in your life that you think might be helped by the show, please feel free to forward an episode to them. You can reach out to me directly at griefoutloud at dougie.org. It's D-O-U-G-Y dot And if you are new to our show, you can find all of our past episodes at our website, D-O-U-G-Y dot Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time. <laughs>